Welcome to the January edition of the Walleye World Podcast, presented by the Lake St. Clair Walleye Association. This is Rob, and this month we're talking to Roger Hinchcliffe, national seminar speaker, rod designer, and creator of Steelhead Manifesto. We'll be chatting about the similarities and differences between steelhead and walleyes, how we can learn from each other, and also what goes into designing and producing high-quality rods. So, Roger, welcome on the podcast. Thanks for being here today. Yeah, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, let's go ahead and get started. Um, I met Roger a while ago. I fished on the Muskegon River with him with a good buddy of mine, Dan Stewart, and uh, we had a good time. And every time I've talked to this guy, I've absorbed more and more knowledge about targeting fish on rivers. Learned a ton. He's always been a great resource, someone I can text if I'm doing some things wrong. He gives great seminars. If you're a steelhead guy, you've probably heard about Steelhead Manifesto. Oh, I appreciate it. Um, You know, uh, I've done several of these kind of interviews uh, in the past. And when I do seminars, I kind of say the same thing. So if you don't mind, I would like to say the same thing. Go for it. Uh, I don't profess to know everything. I'm just a man with an opinion. Everybody is entitled to an opinion, but nobody's entitled to the facts. So some of the things I talk about are fact, and some of the things I talk about is opinion. But really what I'm trying to relay to everyone is I'm not the know-it-all guy. I don't profess to be that. Um, Some people want to say I'm a professional. Um, I put my waders on one leg at a time, just (laughs) like everybody else. And, uh, you know, it's just an attitude that I uh, try to keep. And not only that, um, I can learn something from you, too. This is a lifelong journey. We're never going to know it all. Sure. Um, but uh, I have been fishing for walleyes, uh, jigging for them in the Detroit River for, oh, geez, at least 25 years. Long time, yep. you know. And they sure are good deep fried. I just wanted to say that. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we can agree on that one. Oh, um, yeah. So, yeah, folks that are listening in, I think you're going to have a good opportunity to learn something a little bit different through a different lens to kind of challenge some of your existing mindsets or perhaps learn a little bit more and be more effective at targeting those walleyes on the river. One thing we're going to talk about later is vertical jigging walleyes. That's one of my favorite things to do. Roger's got some exciting developments in terms of a rod he's developed, which is super cool. We'll get into that more later. But I'm telling you guys, if you want to whack fish better, listen to some of these steelhead guys. I've applied some of the knowledge about targeting these fish where it's easier for them to get bait and get fed. And it's got me on better fish when I'm targeting better bags of fish for tournaments or club derbies. I'll talk about hitting some pocket holes and different things like that. But Roger's got a lot of great content for us, and we're really excited to have him on here. So one thing I want to stress is that river fishing for walleyes has knowledge that's interchangeable with steelhead. Now there's different distinctions between the two species. The thing I love about steelhead fishing is they're an extremely selective fish. And I'm going to say that some of the bigger walleyes can be just as selective. Now, there's different things with the way steelhead see that make them more picky, if you will, with colors. But walleyes can be picky as well. So one thing we'll talk to Roger about is about current dynamics, fish feeding activities, and spawning behavior by targeting walleyes through the lens of a Great Lakes steelhead fisherman. So Roger, tell us a little bit about some of the similarities 
and differences that can help walleye anglers learn a little bit more about targeting these fish and rivers? Yeah, sure. Um, well, like any fish species that I target, because I fish for a lot of other freshwater species, a lot of folks don't know that about me. Um, you know, they pretty much know me as the steelhead guy, but I like to fish for a lot of different other species of fish. And one of the things that's so important is water temperature. So, for example, when the walleye spawn, um, you know, and there'll be difference of opinions on this, but typically it's between 44 degrees and 48 degree water. That's what I found, yeah. Yeah, and so uh, a steelhead can start spawning at 40 degree water, and they'll actually spawn up as high as 58 degree water. Hmm. So... Basically, what it leads into is what you were saying. I've been out targeting steelhead and actually caught walleye, right? (laughs) So have I. Yeah. So one of the things that I think a lot of people miss, um, especially when we're talking about fish that are on the move or in a transition from, you know, um, be it the fall, the spring, the summer, when the fish are on the move, When they're on their way up for the spawn, they're just like steelhead. It's all about conserving energy. Right. Okay? And so they'll follow current edges, current breaks. Um, You can find them behind bridge pilings. They'll slip upstream wherever there's a reduced flow. Mm -hmm. Um, Where the river bends, you can always find walleyes there, too, when they're on their way up to spawn. Um, they always, you know, take some time to hang out there and, and rest a while. And uh, anywhere there's broken rock, shallow shoals, um, any riprap, uh, bridge foundations, or even pure faces, um, wherever that they can, um, you know, take a break and rest while they're on their way up. They're just like steelhead. Sure. You know. One thing that I found is very similar between steelhead and walleyes is they love to take a jig. Now, vertical jigging is a little bit different than float fishing. Our method of controlling the bait and getting it right into the zone is the boat itself. However, we can't overlook the lethality of using something like float fishing with a center pin. Mm -hmm. Um, I've waxed really nice walleyes on the Muskegon River, on the Big Manistee, floating just uh, steelhead weight type jigs, mm-hmm. 132nd ounce, uh, dressed, custom tied, and then tipped with uh, wax worms. So a lot of times they're competing for the same areas, whether it's for ease of access to food or uh, spawning grounds. There's a lot of similarities between these two fish. One thing I want to talk about is guys jigging for steelhead mm-hmm. or slow rolling jigs. Pitching is pretty popular on some of the lakes in the Midwest where you can pitch lighter quarter ounce jigs or even lighter and moving them through uh, some shallow structure or through weeds. And that's something that I think is underutilized, and I've definitely seen guys slow roll jigs on the river and catch some steelhead. Have you observed anything like that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, my God, 40 years ago when I was a kid, I would go down to the river that I grew up uh, basically on. I mean, I lived there. I went fishing every day Mm -hmm. that I could. And um, during the spring, I'd go down there with, uh, it was basically a crappie jig, right? Yeah. A one thirty-second ounce crappie jig tipped with a minnow. And I'd cast it out and bounce it off the bottom. And, you know, I wasn't very good at that time because 
I was just a kid, right? Yeah. But I found that, that you can absolutely catch a lot of walleyes doing that. And not only walleye, but even smallmouth, you know. Hmm. So, uh, but yeah, no, I've noticed that, absolutely. Awesome. Um, have you seen steelhead anglers use that technique? I've seen guys slow roll and maybe are quieter about it. I'm not going to give river names away or anything Yeah, like that. I'm not going to give any river <laughs> names away either. I'm not going to mention... I know a couple guides that actually employ that technique. Um, it's actually not a bad technique, um, especially when the sun's out and the steelhead seem to tuck inside tight inside the wood. Yeah, it's it's a deadly technique for for casting for steelhead. I know this is on walleye, but <laughs> we're trying to you know hammer home that some of this stuff has similarities, right? Absolutely. So. So, yeah, just things to think about. Guys that are steelhead guys, there's walleye techniques that apply to your craft, and then there's things that obviously apply to walleye. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so going into the specifics of vertical jigging, obviously there's tons of ways to do it. When um, when it's colder out, I'm not jigging super fast, but there's definitely some things that you can do to put yourself in a better situation. If you're jigging a place like the Trenton Channel where there's a lot of snags, you don't want to have that jig dragging on the bottom. You're going to snag up, and then you got to retie, and if you don't have that line in the water, you're not catching fish. That is not what you want to do, especially if you're fishing something competitive or you just want to outfish your buddy on the boat. So short jig strokes are pretty important during the cold water, and Roger, I know that you can punish fish, whether it's blade baiting, jigging on the river. Tell us some of the observations that you've seen fishing many, many years for walleyes and numerous other species on many different bodies of water. Yeah, well, I mean, to me, vertical jigging is obviously the most popular and preferred technique if we're picking out of the Detroit River, right? Yeah. And there's no question at that time of year, that's generally what I do the most of is just vertical jigging. And, um, you know, I typically like to run a three-quarter ounce um, jig, uh, now, if I have some people on the boat that are having a hard time keeping it vertical or yep. because of space restrictions, somebody's at the back of the boat and they're not as close to the trolling motor, um, you know, obviously it might be a better idea to run a one-ounce jig. Um, but one of the things that you mentioned, and again, this is an opinion. It's just an opinion. But uh, you talked about jig strokes. And um, I do agree with you about the cold water making them short. However, I try to keep my jig uh, strokes short all of the time. Same here. Yeah. Let's hear why. Well, the reason why is I think the, um, that if you give the fish too much of a chance to see the bottom of that jig, right? Yep. You're going to catch less fish because um, if, if Google is your friend, <laughs> a lot of people don't realize this, but fish do have memories, right? Fish have memories, okay. and so do walleye. And a lot of times uh, um, what people don't realize is um, walleyes find their spawning grounds through their memory. A lot of people don't realize that. And so when you're talking about a 30-inch walleye, right, which is what, typically 10 pounds or better, yep. I mean, that fish is what, 12 years old? At right? least, sometimes older depending At, on the strain and the egg, body of water. Yeah, exactly. And so... 
What I'm trying to say is I apply, this goes back to the beginning when we were talking about similarities between steelhead and walleye fishing. Yeah. That's where I kind of apply this opinion because I don't want to say that this is fact. I'm saying this is my opinion, is that um, these fish get educated, especially the big ones. Right. Right. And so that's why I like to keep my jig strokes very, very short. And, um, you know, I've seen guys, I mean, heck, they're going three feet up in the air. <laughs> you know what I mean? And do they catch fish? Yes. There's so many of them down there. Yeah, they still catch fish. But on days where, you know, be it water temperature or barometric pressure, things that are affecting the mood of the fish, where it takes a real skilled finesse technique to get bit on certain days, I think a shorter jig hop is the way to go. And anybody that's been on the Detroit River has heard this repeatedly. You got to be vertical. Yeah. It's got to stay vertical, you know. So, and uh, other than that, I mean, I would love to tell you that I have all these secrets, you know, to my jigging technique, but that's pretty much it. Um, something else that I use a lot of is scent. Um, mm mm-hmm. Unfortunately, so many people think that when a guy talks about scent, oh, he's just trying to sell you a product. And at the end of the day, uh, if you do your research and find out, uh, fish have an incredible sense of smell. And what's amazing to me is out in the big lake, they use it to avoid danger when they're young. They use their nose to uh, find food. They use their nose to help them navigate, right? right? Not just the lateral line, but they use their nose for all of that. But mysteriously, when they get up into the river to spawn, they no longer use their nose. Hello. <laughs> Come on, man. And so what I do is sometimes on those days where it's a tough bite or a slow bite, I like to use, uh, there's all kinds of different scent products out there, right? Yeah. I love the ProCure Trophy Walleye Gel. That's my favorite to use is the ProCure stuff. Um, or you can use, uh, um, they have, um, you know, all kinds of different scents that will work. You know, I've even used steelhead scents to catch walleye. But sometimes uh, what I like to do is I just put a little bit on the jig head. And yeah. less is more, right? You don't have to, like, get crazy with this stuff. It's yeah. a little gel. And other than that, I just gave you <laughs> all of my secrets. They're really not the, you know, secrets. But that's how I love to jig for them. So a couple so. things that will corroborate what Roger just said. Um, most of the good anglers that jig that I know, they all use scent. Now, some of the stuff I use, it's more oil-based, and I got to re-dip my baits or I got to reapply it to the jig head. Is there mm-hmm. any advantage with that gel-based product you mentioned from Procure? Well, I mean, it does. It's going to eventually wash off, right? right? I mean, because you're jigging it up and down and you got several miles of current down there. It's moving. Eventually, it's going to uh, wear off. But it really doesn't take that much for them to, even if there's just a minute coating still on there, they can smell that, yeah. no problem. So, but yeah, eventually, you know, uh, there's other stuff you can do. You can use various uh, stuff that to soak your plastics in. Mm-hmm. Your plastics will absorb that. That's another trick that you can do. I didn't mention that one, but yeah, you can do that too. Yeah, one thing I want to caution guys that do possibly marinate their plastics is be careful what you marinate it in because it will if you have the wrong product 
change the actual color of the plastics, and it also affects the softness and the flexibility of certain plastics, too. That is correct. That's a good point. Just a data point for all our listeners. But um, scent is huge, and if you don't believe what Roger's saying, go ahead, after catching a pike or muskie and you got some walleyes in your live well, dip your hands in there. Watch what those walleyes do. You will see them panic and start moving around a live well. They don't turn their noses off anytime. They always use that. Yep. And that homing instinct that walleyes have to get to the spawning ground, a big piece of that is scent. Now, I'm no biologist, but based on the research I've seen in publications, that's absolutely true. And some of the best fishermen, which is the proof in the pudding for me, they use scents. Yeah, I mean, where I had the epiphany about using scents um, was I started using them years ago, and I, I found that according to my journals, because I keep detailed journals on everything I fish for, and I've done that for years. And uh, like this year, as far as the the steelhead run went, I was trying to figure out why the numbers of steelhead were low in a specific river that I fished for years. I went back and looked at some data, and it was all right there in front of me, right? Mm. But based on the data in my logbooks throughout the years, I, I have found by using scent, it increases your catch rate by about 30%, hmm. I think, you know, in my opinion. Because every time you touch a bait, anytime you touch it, you deposit L sarin, right? Every time you touch it, you deposit L sarin. So in, in my seminars uh, for steelhead and salmon, um, I talk about. Uh, a Canadian study that was done, I believe, in 1987, where they took uh, human skin cells and created a homopathic solution, and they deposited it into the river, and the salmon stopped migrating. No kidding. Right? Now, did, and then they took bear pelts, and they put bear pelts in the river, and the fish stopped migrating. Now, did the fish say... Okay, that's Yogi the bear. He's going <laughs> to eat me, right? Uh-huh. No, I just think their uh, fish are uh, just like white-tailed deer. I mean, they have these defense mechanisms. They just know, like you were saying, put your hand in a live well and you see what the fish does, right? Yeah. I don't think the walleye goes, hey, that's uh, Mr. Barnes and he's going to deep fry me and eat me. Right. He just knows that this is, you know, a foreign scent that's not natural. Right, and that can throw off the bite. It can throw off their normal activity. So yeah. just an important consideration. Uh, scent is the real deal. Some of my buddies, they'll they'll know what I'm saying, but put some stank on it. It always oh, yeah. seems to yeah. help. And like you said earlier, I mean, when the bite is on, don't uh, matter. It don't matter, yeah. right? But those days where you you got a tough bite, yeah. and you know you're on fish, and you know the scent helps close the deal. And the best thing I can uh, give an example to. Since they come out with these new water wolf cameras, like out on the big lake trolling, yeah. if you saw those underwater videos, you'll see the salmon, the coho, or even walleye. They'll come up to the bait and they'll refuse it, hmm. right? I got to tell you, it's because it didn't smell right, right? Mm -hmm. You got them in that far, that close. Just imagine if there was a little scent on there, it may have sealed the deal. That's just an sure. opinion. Even so. guys that fish baits, uh, like trolling crankbaits or spoons, I know, sometimes to get them to fully close the deal, even though it's a reaction bait, yeah. you need to have every piece of the puzzle. And if they're finicky, yeah. you aren't going to get that fish. Yeah, and, you know, uh, the great thing about Procure is they make a smelt gel, Okay, right? Um, they make a shiner gel in addition to the two walleye uh, scents that they make. So there's other options. And, you know, L-Wife, they make L-Wife gel. So maybe if you're in Lake Huron, 
You know what I mean? St. Clair River guys. Might want to check that out. There you go. You know, there's not a lot of L-Wives left in Lake Huron, but it still works, right? The L-Wife gel works. So that's hands down, and it's no secret. That's a very popular bait used on the St. Clair River, jigging a finesse minnow. Yeah. um, In that exact color. Yeah. And I think the scent could help people out. So, um, Roger, one thing that you've got going on, which is pretty exciting, is that you're a rod designer. You, um, you're partner with a company called Lama Glass, and you've designed um, quite a few different rods for the company, uh, not to mention steelhead and salmon-specific rods. And I would venture to say that uh, in terms of target markets, that is a more demanding um, market, if you will, in terms of action and technique. And I think it's okay as walleye anglers to be more demanding of our tackle, our rods, because there's certain things that we're looking for, namely sensitivity. So when it comes to pitching jigs or vertical jigging, sensitivity and lightness is key. And tell us a little bit about what goes into designing a quality rod. And um, I got to handle one of the rods that you helped develop, which is the Closer Walleye Series at the Ultimate Fishing Show in Novi. Yeah. Well, I will tell you, um, I was asked by Lamaglass, my first project was to help them with uh, some steelhead float rods. And um, one of the things that is a huge misconception out there is how fast and quickly a rod gets designed and built and brought to market. It's not what people think. Mm-hmm. Um, now, one thing about Lama Glass, they are the godfather of today's modern fishing rods. Uh, this year, they are celebrating their 70th anniversary. Mm-hmm. Uh, without mentioning other competitors' names, but a lot of other rod companies actually started at Lama Glass. So there's a great history there, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I got turned off with um, was... There is no more research and development with a lot of other companies that ship rods overseas to be ripped off in China. Uh, It's more research and duplicate. And I wanted to make sure that we created a product that was researched and developed and tested very, very well. And um, how I figured all that out is uh, there's what's called a deflection board. So when I brought some of my own rods in and loaded them up on the deflection board to see the actions and, you know, is it really truly a fast rod? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, I found that a lot of these sticks are exactly the same. And I said, no way, Jose, I don't want that. So one of the key things for me when we were working on the project is I wanted a rod that's Jimmy John's fast. Right. Mm -hmm. I wanted a rod that was extremely fast because, for example, if we pick on the Detroit River, you know, there's several miles an hour of current that's going on down there. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, depending on how deep you find the fish as far as the depth goes, um, you know, you need a fast rod. Right. And we typically fish three quarter ounce to one ounce jigs. I would personally say is the two most popular Sizes. That's the gold uh, standard, yes. Yeah, pretty much. And, um, you know, I found that some rods were, they said they were medium heavy, but I thought they were more of a medium, right? Mm -hmm. And so it was uh, really cool to work on the project to come up with uh, different lengths and actions and then actually go out and test them, you know. Sure. And you typically, 
Um, you pretty much know if you're almost there by the deflection board because once you get the final product, you know, you have a target area that you're trying to hit. And then once you load that rod up, if you're very close to it, you know, you might have a winner, you mm-hmm. know. But that's what folks don't realize is uh, like a rod taper, um, you know, you got to have a mandrel, right, that's going to match that taper that you're mm-hmm. trying to achieve for the action. And if you don't get what you want, you're going to have to have a mandrel made. <laughs> and so then you've got to outsource that to another company, give them your uh, specs, and and they'll build you a mandrel, and you got to go back and try it again. Now, one of the good things about Lama Glass is because we've been in business for so long, we have thousands and thousands of mandrels. So the catalog of mandrel stock that we have is pretty stupid, to mm-hmm. be honest with you. So, and then um, the other thing that I uh, I don't like painted rods. Um, a lot of guys don't realize this, but when you buy a rod that's painted, it completely changes the action of the rod. It actually does make it stiffer, you know. And um, so I found that out too when I got into working on these projects that. Uh, you know, I can get it to where I want, and then if I said, "Oh yeah, let's paint it this color," well, it's not going to be the same rod, mm. right? One so. thing I found, Roger, and, and to confirm something you just talked about, I've been fortunate to use quite a few of the American-made products, such as a Saint Croix G Loomis. Mm-hmm. And one thing I found is that, like you said, when those when those rod blanks are painted, they are stiffer. There definitely is a difference, and I've had the opportunity to use some of the best sticks from Washington and also out of Wisconsin. Tell us a little bit more about that closer rod, because when I held it, there's three different lengths you got, right? You got the 5'8", the 6-foot model, and the 6'3". All of them are scary light, and I've never felt anything like that, and I think it's really going to help guys out that are looking for every little advantage to get better fish and more quantities of fish for vertical jigging. Yeah, well, one of the things that I think is very important when designing a rod you know, obviously, the first thing you think of is action and length. But one of the things that has been ignored, in my opinion, in the arena of rod building is tip heaviness. Hmm. It's so overlooked. I mean, a rod that has more than an ounce and a half of tip weight, right, for every ounce that it's too heavy at the tip is going to feel like the angler is holding 12 ounces at the reel seat. Interesting. And so when you're talking about rods at this length, you typically don't have a problem with them being too heavy. However, if you get that tip heaviness really light, the rod is going to feel extremely balanced in your hand. And when it's balanced, it's all about weight distribution. You know, everyone wants to think that it's about the blank weight itself, but it's more about weight distribution. Mm -hmm. So if you get that weight distribution down, uh, you're going to have a nice light tip. Uh, When I say light, it's not tip heavy. Right. And because these rods are fast at the tip, I want to make sure the listeners are, you know, understanding that part. But um, what happens is when you have a light balanced rod, it's a joy to fish all day long and it becomes an extension of the hand. Right. And so one of the things too, uh, if you don't mind, I'll just share this. Uh, one of the things I don't like about some of the rods that are out there available is the eyes of the rods were too small. 
And so when you're fishing in cold weather, early season, right, or it could be full-blown spawn, but you start real early and it's really cold out and you're fishing with braided line, um, you you will get icing on the guides. And right. if the guides are too small, you're spending more time <laughs> clearing guide ice rather than down there whacking the fish, right? Right. So we used, you know, larger size guides, um, and we did put a carbon fiber handle um, on it. And uh, a lot of guys have really, really loved that, that, that handle. It's really, really went over very well. And uh, it's just a total total package i think um i mean yes i can sound biased because i helped design it but Mm. i think as soon as somebody picks that rod up it's over you know yeah my favorite is uh oh my god oh my god i've heard that a lot (laughs) and to me that's just confirmation that i think we we built a winner you know yeah and the great lakes there's no doubt that rod i designed it it was we made it for the great lakes for sure Awesome. Yep. Tell us a little bit about where that rod has been tested in terms of um, you know, some of the river systems. Maybe uh, I've seen some pictures of you blade baiting with that particular stick. Yeah, that was another thing. Uh, well, all spring, you know, we fished the Detroit River yeah. and jigged uh, with various different jig weights. And and so we did that, obviously. And, and if anybody fished this past spring, they will attest that the fishing was absolutely stupid good, yes. right? I mean, my God, you'd have a limit in one pass, right? Mm-hmm. It was good. Uh, and so that gave me excuses to go out quite a bit, <laughs> right? Um, but, yeah, we tested them in the Detroit River, and then uh, later we went into um, into the lake, and we went blade bait jigging with them, and um, that, that was great. And then we had some of our pro staffers that were actually using these rods I, they would probably get mad if I said where they were jigging, so I probably won't do that. But they were <laughs> jigging for lake trout hmm. with these rods. No kidding. So we've really put them through the gamut and uh, tested them, you know, really, really well. And uh, there's some proprietary information that we do that test our rods that uh, I'm not aware of what other people do. Mm-hmm. But I can assure you. Um, We've tested them very, very good, and it, we've we're very happy with the end result. It's a great product, definitely. Great product. So, like I said, um, I've been very fortunate. I've used some great rods from different manufacturers, and I've had a lot of great luck on them. But when I picked those rods up myself, I was shocked. I've never felt a stick that light, and uh, I've never felt something of that caliber. I mean. Tell us about that one trick you guys did. You had some of the uh, pro staffers show me about the sensitivity by putting that on the throat, uh, the tip of the rod. Yeah, that's um, something that we do is we'll put the eye right on your Adam's apple, and then we'll just talk, or we'll say, hello. And what happens is while you're holding that stick, uh, you will feel every... Whatever I say, whatever I do, you will feel it. The rods are that sensitive. And it's a proprietary blend of graphite, high modulus graphite. I will tell you, uh, they are scary sensitive. And that was another thing that was really important to me uh, in designing a rod because uh, throughout the years fishing for uh, those uh, walleyes on the river, some days they bite super, super light. Absolutely. I mean, I have seen that so many times. 
And um, I have actually seen where guys that were fishing on the boat with me that didn't have a rod that was as sensitive, they caught less fish. And I don't believe that it was the color of the jig because, you know, once we find the hot color, you know, and we, we've got the trolling motor under control and we've got everything vertical, I mean, everybody should be catching fish, right? Because right? there's millions of them down there. Mm-hmm. But we've actually seen on days where there was really light biters, a guy that has a real super sensitive rod, right, is going to catch more fish. And so it was important to me to um, get a rod that was super sensitive, right? And the problem when you, with getting really high, high modulus graphite is it can be uh, it can be prone to break very easy, right? Mm-hmm. And so the trick is is to get the resin count in the the blank material and to get it just right. And uh, that's another whole subject, and we don't have to go into all of that. <laughs> but it just goes back to a lot of people just don't realize how much work goes into making a rod, right? Yeah. So, but yeah, I'm very happy, and I appreciate you noticing that. Um, they are super sensitive. I actually, a lot of times, I'll just ask somebody, you know, drag that thing lightly across the floor and tell me if you can feel it. Mm-hmm. You know, once they touch it, they'll they'll see. Absolutely. Yeah. Some of the things I look for in a jigging stick, in particular, is it's got to be scary fast. And, and I'm spoiled. I mentioned the two rods that I mainly use: a G Loomis Walleye series, the Legacy model, and the Walleye series IMX, which is their newer production model. I've used them. They're great rods. I've uh, got some derby points fishing local club stuff. It's great. But one of the things I'm looking for is as light as possible because I know it sounds ridiculous, but jigging a six foot three rod or smaller, doing that all day if you're trying to get the right fish and grind through those little dinks, that can wear on you. So I'm looking for something light. I'm looking for something that's sensitive enough where I can tell if I got a piece of grass on there, a little log perch. I want to be able to tell if I'm at a mud to sand transition. I'm looking for gravel, and a good rod will broadcast that right up my arm like it's electricity. And I think that based on what I've seen and what I've handled at the Ultimate Fishing Show, that you knocked that one out of the park, and I look forward to trying that stick. Yeah, the the, the sticks came out really, really well. Michigan, Ohio, and Ontario DNRs, if I've looked at the research correctly, they estimate about 10 million walleyes run through that river alone mm-hmm. just during that spawning activity, not to mention the resonant fish that stay there all year. Right. If it's on, it's on. You can catch them on an ugly stick or a barbie pole. But if you're looking for every advantage possible and you're trying to get those light bite fish, it makes sense to go with something that's going to give you every single advantage. I try to do that as an angler. Um, just save your pennies up. Uh, like I said, I've got everything from uh, St. Croix. I've had entry-level stuff when I first started doing it. Right. And I've got some of those other sticks from other USA-made companies. And one thing is that, um, you know, Price can be something that inhibits guys from jumping in and trying something different. Can you tell us about some of the lineups that you have that might make something easier for an entry-level angler to check out? Yeah. Um, what we did um, is we took the um, Closer Walleye series, and what we did is um, we developed those same rods, but we developed those overseas to give the angler a better price point. Mm-hmm. And uh, the series of rods I'm referring to is called the Hammer Series. Okay. And um, 
If anybody knows me, they'll know that, yes, I named the rod the hammer. <laughs> but um, anyways, the price point on those sticks are 89 bucks. Yeah. And they don't have a carbon fiber handle. They have um, uh, uh, the regular standard cork handle. Um, but there's they incorporate a lot of the same features that the higher-end closer has. And so a working man can afford that, right? 89 bucks is right in the wheelhouse. Absolutely. Yeah. So one thing that I, I didn't really get to talk too much about yet is that carbon fiber handle. I know there are mm-hmm. some unique properties that you could elaborate more on in terms of uh, what it does for anglers, particularly when it's cold out. But one thing I want to say about that is that as a wall angler, you're looking for every advantage. You're going to use scent on some of those plastics or you're using minnows at times when that water's super, super cold. I'm talking 40 degrees and colder. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's, that nasty stuff gets all over the cork, and it's a pain to clean off. Yep. I don't think you're going to have that issue with that carbon fiber grip that you have on the Closer series, which is very no, nice. No, it wipes off real clean. Um, one of the, the first time that I utilized those handles were on some steelhead and salmon float rods. Okay. And then, obviously, during salmon season, you get, if you're fishing with skein, you know, cured skein, you get all that juice and all that nasty, you know, all over the handle. Right. That carbon fiber wears like iron. You can uh, wipe it right off. And there's actually some videos out there of the carbon fiber handles where they're running them over with a car. <laughs> and uh, and then the other thing, too, is that carbon fiber does um, the, the um, foam that's underneath it actually warms to the touch. So if you actually grabbed and squeezed, those rod models I was just referring to, the, the handle will actually warm to the touch. So it's pretty good stuff. It's cool stuff. Uh, it does cost a little bit more money, right. right? And that, you know, translates to the cost of the rod. But um, the carbon fiber, I really, really dig those handles, you know. So Definitely. Yeah. So tell us about what an angler gets when you're stepping into a premium USA rod. I mean, I've got great sticks, like I mentioned earlier in this episode, but with Lama Glass, what are you getting when you purchase a USA-made stick? Well, one of the things, uh, we have always been a leader in technology, right, in coming out with uh, and leading the pack with new products. I mean, we have some other rod models. I'm not even going to get into it, but um, some of these rod models have been tried to be duplicated by other competitors, and they still can't do it. Right, hmm. which is great for us. Right, but um, with the closer walleye series, the number one thing is it's USA made, right here in the USA in Woodland, Washington, one at a time, a skilled craftsman. I mean, we have people at Lama Glass that's been there for thirty years, hmm. right? So when you have people that's been around that long, you kind of have a tendency to get good at what you do, right? right? But they build them one at a time. You're going to get a limited lifetime warranty on the stick. It's made in the USA, and the rod is built with premium components, right? And and then the graphite, uh, again, is super, super strong, but yet super, super sensitive. So it's kind of like the Cadillac. Yeah. Right? I can confirm that. So for guys that want to check out these sticks, Mm -hmm. um, I got to check them out at the Ultimate Fishing Show in Novi. Are there any other trade shows that Lamaglass will be at within the Midwest? Or are there any retail locations that guys can get their hands on and see what these sticks are all about? Yeah. um, Actually, we are going to be at the Grand Rapids show, the ultimate sports show in Grand Rapids. Okay. 
We'll have them there. There will be some retailers there that will be stocking the rods. Okay. Um, people are more than welcome to come on by the booth, and we'll give them a demonstration, and we'll let them hold it. We'll load it up and and let them, you know, touch it, feel it, and see if they like it. Um, so not only would they be able to buy it there, we're, the, the rods are available at uh, many retail locations. Okay. Um, I do know Fish USA, an online retailer, does have those in stock right now. I don't know how many they have. Knock on wood, hopefully they have some in case yeah. somebody wants to order one right now. Because we do sell out very quick. Uh, we're trying to build them as fast as we can. But, yeah, if you're in the Grand Rapids area, you know, on the west side of the state in Michigan, uh, if you can make it out to that show in March, um, we'll have those rods there for you to, to check out. Very nice. Yeah. Um, tell us if there's any retail locations in Southeast Michigan that folks might be able to stop in, take a look at them, or perhaps even near uh, Bay City, Saginaw Bay, where pockets of wall anglers. Yeah, are. Uh, Frank's um, has them. Okay. Um, uh, down here in Southeast Michigan, uh, Dipnet has actually ordered some. Okay. I believe they're right on Jefferson there. So they can stop in there and, and see those. Um, but, yeah, uh, right now the problem is getting them to everybody that wants them, just yeah. to be honest. So luckily walleye jigging season's not here just yet, yeah. and we're working <laughs> feverishly to get all of those orders processed and out. So Very good. Yeah. So, Roger, tell us about um, – some of the things that Lamb Glass has coming down the pipeline that might interest walleye anglers. A popular technique right now is casting glide baits like a, a shiver minnow, which is a differently weighted kind of jigging wrap, but has a little bit different action. And then uh, what's won quite a few tournaments lately is casting rip and wraps. Uh, lipless crankbaits has been very popular. Mm-hmm. And what guys look for is a very fast tip in terms of action, uh, something that can hold up bigger walleyes do you have anything coming out that might fit the bill for guys that cast those glide baits yeah it's uh funny you brought that up i didn't know you were going to do that but i might as well just let the cat out of the bag uh we do have um another walleye series coming out it's called the assassin series and those rides should be available this fall i wish they would be available this spring but it's kind of looking like those longer models, we're not going to have them till the fall. Okay. But uh, those rods, in addition to the shorter lengths, they are also going to come in a 6.6 and a 7-foot. And, you know, that's another technique. You know, I, I've done that as well. And you need a rod that's a little bit longer to help you with casting. Absolutely. Right? Distance matters. Yeah, absolutely. And I got to tell you, these rods, um, man, I, I've tested them. I even caught smallmouth on them, you know, testing them out. And yeah. They're amazing sticks. I can't wait for everybody to see that series. It's called the Assassin, and um, those longer models are going to be out coming up this fall, 6'6 six, six and 7 foot. Tell us what those blanks are rated for and a little bit about the action that makes them for walleye guys. Yeah, um, well, one of the things, it's a medium heavy. It's an 8 to 15-pound stick. Um they do. They are a fast action, but the tip, the tip on them, uh, is light enough and sensitive enough. If you have to slow roll a bait, you're going to feel every wobble, every wiggle. To me, that's very important because some days you have to change the cadence uh, of what you're doing. And if you have a rod that's really sensitive to feel what that bait's doing, right? Yeah. Like you were talking about earlier when jigging and feeling the different bottoms that you're feeling. 
through the rod. Yes. You want to feel what that bait is doing through the rod, and that's that's what makes these really, really nice. One thing that really interests me, particularly that 7-foot model, I like those longer sticks for casting baits out and picking apart structure. A lot of those fish relate to uh, weeds, uh, particularly uh, cabbage weeds, and you can pick them apart that way using casting techniques. That seven-foot model is going to let you really cast out some of those lighter jigs, quarter ounce, one-eighth ounce, get those plastics right where you need to be. Yep. And then uh, also, I'm excited to try that seven-foot model for swim baiting. Yes. Big heavy heads and six-inch or uh, shorter or longer, depending on what the fish want. Mm-hmm. Slow rolling those and yo-yoing those for walleyes and any other Great Lakes fish. I really wish I had one to show you. You haven't seen that rod yet, but mm-hmm. I know you're going to love it when you see it. But one of the things I found with those rods is, man, do they cast beautifully. They just cast perfectly. So you know, it, they're just a joy to fish all the way around. They're light, they're balanced, they're sensitive, they're strong. It's the whole ball of wax. So that's coming soon. So you're saying fall? In the fall, yeah. If you want the 6'6 and the 7-foot models, there's no question we're not going to have those out until then. But trust me, it's on its way. Very good. Fall is a great time to cast on Lake St. Clair. might just be something that fits the bill for your particular style. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jig casters, live bait casters, definitely something to consider. And, yeah. uh, and these rods are affordable too. Okay. Uh, the price point, the retail price point on these rods is one twenty nine, so it's not terribly too expensive. No. Right. So. And that's in the ballpark with a lot of other uh, competitive models, and yeah. I think that uh, folks will be impressed. I've handled uh, nowhere near the three hundred plus different models that I've heard that you guys have thus far, mm-hmm. but everything I've checked out for what I do for, as a walleye fisherman. Uh, you guys got something special going on. Well, thank you. We appreciate that. We work hard at it. Roger, well, thanks for talking to us about some of your perspectives on walleye fishing. I think it'll help some of us better understand how to target some of these fish. There's definitely something to be said about considering other perspectives and data points. Uh, Jigging is jigging. Yes. But fishing more efficiently on the river and giving yourself every advantage is something that should be considered if you want to get more fish. And um, I really appreciate your time for talking about some of the things that you do, yeah. uh, the stuff that you got going on with Lama Glass and those jigging sticks, which I think will be a big hit for walleye anglers, and uh, more importantly for your time. It's yeah, great. no, I really appreciate you having me out, and uh, um, it's uh, we're truly blessed to live here in the Great Lakes. I absolutely, mean, the walleye fishing that we have is absolutely tremendous, and. Uh, if there's anybody else out there that maybe hasn't tried walleye fishing, uh, you should try it, right? <laughs> and uh, not to mention, I'm not going to lie to you, um, I love them things deep fried. <laughs> you and me both, brother. <laughs> <laughs> but no, thanks for having me on. This has been great, and uh, we appreciate it very much. Thank you so much for listening to the Walleye World Podcast. 2019, we have plenty of good things in store for you. We'll continue to bring you some of the top touring national pros to give you knowledge, local knowledge, and also industry experts to continue to help you grow and learn more about the sport of walleye fishing. Please check out the Lake St. Clair Walleye Association on Facebook. You can also find our website at www.lakestclairwalleyassociation.com. In February, we'll have National Touring Pro Jerry Fox Jr. speaking at our event to help educate members. Additionally, if you check out our Facebook page, you can now look at our new merchandise. We have hats, shirts, and sweaters, 
and they're all available. Just send us a message and we'll get you squared away. Thanks again and until next month.